The following podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Amelia Earhart's disappearance is one of my favorite to read and disappear into. So in this episode, we will give you a little history on this famous female aviator and the conspiracies that follow her disappearance. And you're listening to Unexplained Realms, the podcast. And I'm your host, Anne, joined by producer and co-host, Eddie V. Hey, that's me, and let's get this show off the ground. Amelia Earhart was the first female aviator to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. Born on July 24, 1897, she went on to write books about her flying experiences, assist in forming an organization for female pilots, and promote commercial air travel. Her passion for flying developed at a very young age. Born and raised in Atchison, Kansas, she was described as a normal and active child, full of energy and played well with other children. When her father's job transferred him to Des Moines, Iowa, Amelia was 10 years old. This would be the first time she saw an aircraft at the Iowa State Fair. Her father asked both of his daughters if they wanted to take a ride in the plane. Neither were interested, as it appeared rusty and just not very interesting. Amelia and her sister Muriel stayed in Atchison with their mother, while their father worked and lived in Des Moines, Iowa. The two girls were homeschooled by their mother and a governess. By 1909, the family all reunited back together in Des Moines, Iowa. And Amelia and her sister were enrolled for the first time in public school in the seventh grade. Five years into Des Moines, and Amelia's father, Edwin, had become an alcoholic and was forced to retire from his job to be rehabilitated. Around this same time, Amelia's grandmother passed and left a substantial estate to the family, but placed it in a trust so Edwin couldn't drain the funds with his drinking habits. By 1915, Amelia's mother, Amy, left her husband, Edwin, and took the children to Chicago where Amelia would seek a school with a great science program. Amelia would research careers that were deemed men's careers, such as law and advertisement, mechanical engineering. Graduating high school in 1916, she began junior college, but didn't follow through. 
By 1917, she visited her sister during a Christmas break. Her sister was living in Toronto, and World War I was raging on. Amelia volunteered at the Red Cross as a nurse's aide. Hearing stories of the military, she developed an interest in flying. In 1918, Amelia contracted the Spanish flu, which became a major pandemic. After recovering, her interest in flying grew. Attending an exhibition for a World War I ace plane in Toronto. And a few years later, she attended an aerial meet with her father in Long Beach, California. She finally booked a passenger flight on December 29, 1920, and took a 10-minute flight for $10. This is when she knew she had to fly. Amelia worked various jobs to save enough money for flying lessons. They would cost $500 for 12 hours of flight instruction. By January 1921, she had saved $1,000, and her mother had provided some of that. Throughout this time, she had a second-hand plane and had restored it. And on May 16, 1923, Amelia Earhart became the 16th woman in the United States to be issued a pilot license. Amelia went on to buy another plane and restore it, but began having symptoms and issues as a result of the Spanish flu in 1918. She needed sinus surgeries and would often have a sinus tube taped to her face while flying. Throughout the late 20s, Amelia had more sinus surgeries, her parents divorced, and she set out to create a female pilot's organization. In 1927, Charles Lindbergh made a solo flight across the Atlantic from New York to Paris, 3,600 miles. This sparked interest in other pilots. Pilot Amy Guest expressed an interest in being the first woman to fly or be flown over the Atlantic Ocean. But she determined it too perilous of a trip to take. Seeking another female pilot for this potential project, Captain Hilton H. Rayleigh called Amelia and asked her if she'd like to fly the Atlantic. Earhart would not fly the plane. She accompanied pilot Wilmer Stoltz and co-pilot and mechanic Lewis Gordon on the flight. She was given the responsibility of keeping the flight log. The team flew from Trapassi Harbor, Newfoundland, a province in Canada, on June 17, 1928 and arrived back to the United States July 6th. 
Amelia gained quite a bit of fame as a result of this trip. She went on to make a trip across the country, do some air racing, and by 1931 she married George Putnam, an American author, publisher, and publicist. By May of 1932, Amelia took her first solo trip across the Atlantic Ocean, making her the first woman to fly nonstop across the Atlantic. And later, on January 11th, 1935, she became the first aviator to fly solo from Honolulu, Hawaii to Oakland, California. In 1937, she made two attempts at a world flight. The first on March 17, 1937. Amelia flew from Oakland, California with her crew, Captain Harry Manning as the navigator, Fred Noonan, second navigator, Paul Mance, a mechanic. They would depart Oakland to land in Honolulu, Hawaii. But due to galling issues and lubrication problems with the propeller hubs, the aircraft would need servicing. For three days, the plane was at the United States Navy's Luke Field on Ford Island in Pearl Harbor. Three days later, they were able to resume flight Though, as they attempted to take flight, the landing gear collapsed. Both propellers hit the ground, and the plane landed on its belly. It even caused damage to the runway. This is called a ground loop. A ground loop is the rapid rotation of a fixed-wing aircraft in the horizontal plane while on the ground. Aerodynamic and centrifugal forces may cause one wing to rise, which may then cause the other wing tip to touch the ground. Yeah, with an extremely damaged aircraft, it had to be shipped by sea to Lockheed Burbank facility for repairs. At this point, Captain Manning chose to end his association with this flight. This would leave only Amelia and Fred Noonan. Neither were very skilled in radio operations. The second attempt to fly around the world was less publicized. They would fly from Oakland, California to Miami, Florida. Once arriving there, Amelia announced she would travel around the world in her airplane. This time, she chose to fly to Florida rather than Hawaii as a result of global wind and weather patterns. On this second attempt, the crew consisted of only Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. Departing Miami on June 1st, 1937, they made a few stops in South America, 
Africa, Southeast Asia. Then they arrived at Leh, New Guinea, on June 29, 1937. Wow, it took about a month, huh? Mm-hmm. They had now covered about 22,000 miles of the trip. There were now 7,000 miles remaining. And they would be over the Pacific Ocean. On July 2nd, 1937, Earhart and Noonan departed the Ley Airfield. The Electra plane was heavily loaded and they were en route to Howland Island. They were expected at Howland Island the next day as it was about a 20-hour flight. They had 1,100 gallons of gas. Near the hour of 3 p.m. lay time, she reported her altitude as 10,000 feet, but they would need to reduce altitude due to thick clouds. The U.S. Coast Guard assisted in preparation for the arrival to Howland Island. They sent the USCGC Itasca to the island. This ship was stationed on the island to assist in communications with Earhart and make it easy to find Howland Island without exact celestial navigation. As Earhart and Noonan approached Howland Island, the Itasca received very clear and strong transmissions. They could hear her, but for some reason, she was unable to hear them. The ship was also to be used for direction finding, but it seems the plane's direction finder was not working. The first call received from the plane stated the weather was cloudy and overcast. This call was received at 2.45 a.m. and another before 5 a.m. on July 2nd. Another call came in at 6.14 a.m. and stated that the plane was within 200 miles and was requesting assistance from the ship to use its direction finder to assist the craft. Amelia would begin whistling into the microphone to provide a constant signal for them to zone in on. At this point, the ship realized they could not tune into the aircraft's frequency. Another call came in at 6.45 a.m. requesting assistance and stating they were only 100 miles away. On the Itasca radio log at approximately 7.30 a.m., it states, Your heart on Northwest says running out of gas, only one half hour left. Can't hear us at all. We hear her and are sending on 3105 ES500. Same time, constantly. Another radio log at 7.42 a.m. states, KHAQQ CLNG Itasca, 
We must be on you, but we can't see you. The gas is running low. Been unable to reach you by radio. We are flying at altitude 1,000 feet. The miscommunication continued, and Amelia Earhart's plane was unable to communicate with the ship. Morse code was attempted. And oil-fired boilers were used to generate smoke for some time. But Earhart's plane did not see it. Within one hour of losing communications with the craft, the U.S. Navy and Coast Guard scoured well over 250,000 square miles of the ocean. They never found a trace of the two or the plane. There are so many theories. For example, the simplest theory is that they got disoriented, lost track of the route, ran out of gas, crashed. Who knows? Though there are some more very ominous theories. A consistent theory is that they crashed near or on the Gardner Island, which is an uninhabited island about 400 miles from the vicinity of Howland, where she was to land. Famous ocean explorer Robert Ballard led an expedition in 2019 in search of Amelia Earhart's Lockheed Model 10E Electra plane. Or at least some type of evidence that it landed or crashed there. He found nothing. Another theory is that Japanese tribes may have held them captive or worse. The Japanese controlled Marshall Islands, which were not far from Howland. Milia Tall is only 870 miles from Howland, and the second um, Japanese-controlled island, Northern Mariana Island, is 2,700 miles from Howland. Will we ever know what happened to Amelia Earhart? Or maybe we just simply leave this to the realms of the unexplained. Very interesting theory about the Japanese-controlled Marshall Islands. Mm -hmm. It's very possible they could have crashed there, or even near there, and floated in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But... If our listeners remember our show, The Horrors of World War II, then they should understand why this is significant. While we had not arrived at World War II yet, there still could have been some ill will with the Japanese. Right. This whole conspiracy theory about the Marshall Islands speculates that Amelia and Fred Noonan crashed or landed on the Japanese-held Marshall Islands and were captured and possibly held as prisoners in belief that they were spies. Yeah, this theory goes on to state that the Marshall Islands talk about an American lady pilot Mm -hmm. being held in custody and sent to Saipan in 1937 and passed on to their descendants for punishment, torture, etc. At this time, it was still pre-World War II, and the Japanese were not yet our known enemies. But they could have been planning things and, you know, thought they were spies Mm -hmm. trying to fly around the world to observe 
they I were doing. I think the most outlandish theory mm. was the one that she lived and assumed someone else's identity. Yeah. <laughs> In 1970, a book was published titled Amelia Earhart Lives, and it stated that she crashed, was taken prisoner by the Japanese, and then rescued by U.S. forces. And then just moved to New Jersey afterwards, took on the name of Irene Bolum, a housewife who was actually a real person and ferociously fought those rumors and theories. How annoying. I know. Or there is the theory that she was just an actual U.S. spy. Not sure. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I would completely rule that one out. I think all the countries were doing strange things during those times. I mean, hell, they're still doing strange things. We all are. Trying to get a good look at each other, size each other up. Um, Mm -hmm. What a perfect way. Send a woman in an airplane, you know? Maybe, but you know what I spy? Mm -hmm. I spy some of that tamale pie you made. (laughs) Let's eat. Are you hungry? Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Un poquito. If you're new, you can visit us at unexplainedrealms.com, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to smash those like, subscribe, and follow buttons. And don't forget to hit the show notifications button on Spotify so you can get reminders when we drop a new episode. Don't forget to click on our sponsors' links when visiting unexplainedrealms.com with a variety of brands and products to choose from and the most exclusive deals just for you. This podcast is supported by Anchor.fm and V Media Studios.